This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this festive edition of Total Saints Podcast, the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things saints. This week's episode is a little different in that we are recording live from the residence of Lord Adam of Leach. Due to that, we've given Steve the pod off. Adam, thanks for the invite. It's nice to be here. I can't believe I'm actually looking you in the eye. It's kind of worrying. It is weird, isn't it? I've even put clothes on for this one. <laughs> yeah, dear, dear. But uh, I have to say... Um, the valet service out the front was very friendly, so I don't know what the name of the guy was, but he was very helpful. <laughs> Jeeves. <laughs> and uh, I particularly enjoyed the uh, the glass of fizz and the, uh, the handmade follow-ons. Yeah, well, I, obviously I don't make them myself, I have staff for that, but yeah, yeah they were. They're, I, I got them up at the crack of dawn this morning um, to, to prepare everything for your arrival. That's good, it was, it was certainly noticeable, and uh, I've got to say it's taken us quite a while to make it up to your office, so do you uh, get lost around the house quite a lot? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we had to have the sat nav on to get here, so we made it in the end, though. But this is where the magic happens. This is this is where this is where all those words are written. Yeah, that's good. I like it. So uh, I'm hoping that the uh, acoustics for those of you that uh, are listening aren't too echoey. It's very, 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 very high ceilings in here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm certainly starting to get the uh, the feeling as well that that stag on the wall is starting to stare at me already. So it's slightly <laughs> uncomfortable. But uh, there we go. Anyway, um, suitably attired in his Christmas cravat, Adam and I will look back on Saints three one victory at Huddersfield this past weekend. We'll also discuss some of the other upcoming games for Ralph Hassan-Hutal side over the Christmas and New Year period. As it's Christmas, we'll do an Ask Adam because that's what Jesus would want and I'll be putting him under the twinkly Christmas spotlight with a quick-fire Christmas quiz that he doesn't know about. He's starting to look worried already, I think. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. It it will test your Christmas knowledge. (laughs) Um, Before we move on, as we've been uh, lucky enough to do in the past few TSP episodes, I'd like to give a shout-out to our latest TSP patrons, Tom Dobson and Andy. Tom and Andy have signed up to support the podcast this week via patreon.com slash totalsaintspod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Very grateful to Tom. I used to play football with Tom actually at Romsey Town. Um, Very decent central midfielder, or at least that's what he wanted me to say. And uh, Andy, you'll know who you are as well. Thanks very much for signing up. It's uh, very much appreciated of both of you. If you're still pondering over some Christmas ideas, purchases, then why not become a TSP patron? Just like Tom and Andy and all the other patrons this year, your support in helping the podcast to continue and hopefully get even better would be truly appreciated by us. Okay, on with Total Saints podcast, episode 57, in association with saintsworld.co.uk, saintsarchive.com and proudly sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk where you'll get 10% off hot tub, chemicals and accessories if you mention this podcast in store. HappyHotTubs.co.uk At Happy Hot Tubs we specialise in hot tubs. It's all we've done for 35 years. So if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone, then we're the place for honest, clear and friendly advice. Plus, right now we have 0% available on our hot tubs, meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments. You deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit HappyHotTubs.co.uk HappyHotTubs.co.uk 0% excludes free throw range. 
Saints made the long trip up to Huddersfield this weekend for a six-point fixture, eventually finishing with a brilliant 3-1 win. Our first win at Huddersfield since December 1971, 47 years ago. You said you were confident last week, Adam, so it proved. Your 3-0 prediction was almost right. I was close. I was really close. Um, yeah, and when I, well, I had a feeling it might be 3-0 as well by half-time, and I thought, oh, Steve is going to be absolutely fuming because obviously he wanted 3-0 but couldn't take it because I got in first with that. Uh, but yeah, that one goal just spoiled what otherwise have been a perfect day. And uh, joking aside, a great three points for Saints to pick up. I mean, it was a vital game and I know we were generally confident most of the game, but a massive three points to pick up and build on that momentum. Yeah, it was absolutely huge for them, really. I mean, to obviously the Arsenal win, as we spoke about last week, was a bit of a bonus result in a way. So, um, the, But the Huddersfield game was the one that needed to be won. There's no doubt about that. And it's big to, to get two wins, um, to keep breaking some of these terrible records and terrible stats and the two back-to-back wins for the first time since April 2017. Yeah, incredible, really. Yeah, and to have got, obviously, three points against a relegation rival to actually put them into even more trouble. Um, and, and also a really good performance as well, I think. That's the other thing that's encouraging. It wasn't as if they scraped there or they didn't deserve it. I mean, it was... It was, to be honest, it was quite a one-sided game for the very vast majority. There was just a, a little period, about five minutes after Huddersfield pulled that goal back in the second half, where Saints were just beginning to be rocking a little bit, but they kind of came good again. And, and Hasenhutl did make a really good change. It turned out bringing on Oberfemi just because that pace. Um, he, I think he realised Huddersfield were going to be pouring forward, um, and really Huddersfield had nothing to lose at that point, so they were kind of throwing the kitchen sink at him. And obviously then Oberfemi's pace on the break. I mean, he could have had a hat-trick. Could, maybe should have had a hat-trick, in fact. Um, but obviously at least he got one, which was great for him to have got that goal. But um, yeah, just a really big three points. And it feels like um, the mood's lifted. Every, everything feels happier. And it's great going into Christmas with actually something to be pleased about for a change. Yeah. And uh, just on Ralph then, before we talk about some of the uh, the goals and the players involved, that sort of thing, I... Uh, popped a tweet out last night saying um, I don't think any of us can or should underestimate the impact the guy's made in just two weeks if we remember just over two weeks six points he's got on the board now he's made the first 11 believe in themselves he's made the senior squad believe in themselves Um, he's made the academy believe in themselves he's been around the club and made the club and the employees believe he's made us as fans believe as I say I mean deserves a a massive amount of credit for the you know the real effort and commitment he's put in to try and turn this around yeah I'm going to say two things about that one and, and it's to praise two Ralphs here before we, we talk too much about Hasenhutl, I also just want to say quickly that actually Ralph Kruger deserves some praise. The guy's coming for a huge amount of stick, understandably, and, and obviously you know he's big enough that he'll take it on the chin as well, given how things have gone. But um, one of the reasons, as we talked about with, when you were asking about uh, a few weeks ago, should they stick with Hughes or not? I'd say one of the reasons for sort of staying with Hughes and continuity was probably in all honesty, a lack of faith as well, that Saints would appoint somebody as good as they have. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't see them getting in somebody of of this kind of quality. Um, But but fair play, fair play to Ralph Kruger, because he's, he's, you know, he's made that decision. And somebody made the point to me um, the other day when we were talking about uh, people were saying, oh, you know, he's got no football experience. How can he make these decisions? Well, actually, he's been chairman longer than Nicola Cortese was chairman. And Mm -hmm. people didn't have a problem with him making uh, decisions and, and you know people have been saying in, in recent times get him back and have him make decisions so and he had no football experience either so um, fair play to that Ralph on Harsenhutl himself just tremendous I mean just absolutely tremendous um, the word belief that you used I think is such a is such a crucial word in all of this and it's I've, I've written my verdict in the echo this week on exactly that theme and a bit like in football uh, momentum and confidence is such a like fragile thing the belief uh, of a team and the belief of players uh, and it's so easily lost it just it, go, it goes in you know it takes hard earned it takes a long time to earn it and to get it but it's lost in in just fractions of seconds often and uh, Saints haven't had it for such a very very long time that now to to suddenly feel like that and really he has driven that himself it's just fantastic and it's great to have that feeling and yeah my gut instinct having now he's my, what the 16th permanent manager I've dealt with and you always get a feel for them all the mm. first time you meet them it's that first impressions thing like anything in life yep. and probably thinking of the more recent ones the ones that have struck me immediately as oh I like this guy he's interesting Pochettino Kuman, and now Hasenhutl and they're the three that have straight away you thought yeah 
I like I like this guy. He's you know he's he's got something about him. There's just some he's got an aura, a presence, whatever, and the way he talks um, is really good. And whether this is sustainable or not, I guess we'll, we'll time will tell. But at least he looks like he might be able to do enough in this period we've got coming up um, after some hard games that at least he can make sure he keeps them in the division this year yeah. and then crack on properly for for next season. And last year I gave you my heart. The very next day you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'm probably going to give it to Hazen Hutel. Are you okay with that? Yeah, okay. Why not? Why not? I heard that song about 300 times yesterday. <laughs> um, it was like yeah, quite amusing the first time. By the hundredth time, it was like, oh, it's that one again. <laughs> but to be fair, why not? It was good fun, and, and all the Saints fans were their their Santa hats, and they were they were waving around like they did that time when Kuman was mm. was there. Um, it was great, and it's just good fun, and you've got you know you've got to enjoy it. I mean. I've been amused already that I've. I've <laughs> it's. A, it must be a Saints fan thing. I don't know whether it's just football fans or whether it's Saints fans mentality. Because even now, and you think after all the crap that's been, you would just enjoy this moment mm. just briefly yeah. over Christmas and go, okay, you can be happy football fan for once and feel optimistic. No, because Pochettino's going to go to Man United <laughs> and then Spurs are going to get Arsenal. He's honestly, only been here two weeks. Honestly, honestly, it's, yeah, you'd never be too comfortable as a Saints fan, can you? But, uh, <laughs> I know, but uh, look, I mean, after the game, uh, Ralph caught up with the Saints media team. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, if you look on the table, you, you know how important they were because um, um, we have now three points to the 18th club. So, yeah, it was important against a, a team uh, that was never giving up. Yeah, we knew how tough it would be uh, to win, uh, and uh, to win away is, is, is a step further in, in our in our development. And it was important to show ourselves that we, uh, yeah, we have the quality to to do so. So, for the guys and also for the players, it's it's an important step. Clearly a happy guy, Adam. He mentions there about the uh, the fact that the gaps now are a bit more secure, if I can say that, between where they are and the sort of 18th position. So a little bit of, as I say, momentum building, but also that gap is now starting to, you know, positive momentum and the gap's starting to increase in the right direction for Saints. Yeah, and they need it as well, don't they? Let's be honest, the games they've got coming up are tough. Um, and to have a cushion now gives them a free run at that. I mean, they've got West Ham, uh, Man City, Chelsea... And that that's like everybody's looking at those and going they're they're really tough. But then coming out of that, they've got I think Leicester away and Everton at home, and they're <laughs> they're hard games at any time as well. So they've got some some more difficult games coming up. So if they you know it would be more than acceptable not to get many points out of that run, given you know Saints' current ambition now has got to be fourth bottom. Mm. You know, it's, it's kind of the, the the aim really, and anything more than that is a bonus. So at least they've got some breathing space. Uh, you know, if they get beaten, if they get a draw against West Ham, they get beat by Man City and Chelsea. They might not even be back in the bottom three, or if they are, they might be just sort of touching the bottom three again. Mm. Um, as whereas before, we were worried actually at the end of this run they might be cut adrift at the bottom at literally rock bottom and and looking very difficult to survive. So just having got that, and and I think also. Having got that kind of, you know, I mentioned it last week, but the buy-in factor and the belief that you were talking about um, from everybody involved just buys you that grace. Mm. If things just have a little dip um, at some stage, whether it's a form thing, whether it's uh, just the quality of the opposition you play. But, I mean, they've got a lot of momentum and and you've got to look at it and say of the games they've got coming up, the the West Ham game, you would imagine, is the most winnable Mm -hmm. on paper. And they go into that one next, you know, with half a week off effectively before they play uh, to freshen up and on the back of two wins so West Ham are certainly not an unbeatable team so who's to say they won't make it three in a row yeah it's funny um, yeah, we'll obviously talk about it in podcasts to come but the momentum does feel like it's turned around a lot because even Chelsea Man City they all lost yesterday maybe we're getting at the right time you never know with those sort of clubs but look moving on um, Nathan Redmond I thought draw attention to him first I think it was probably all agreed by many that man of the match performance by him um, you know he's had a decent season I think even despite all the sort of trials and tribulations that have been on the, the go ads but since Ralph's come in that's two assists for him now that's a goal as well I think it was his 28th shot of the season so he's uh, almost as poor as your record but uh, um, you know, <laughs> hey, he's got a way to go to beat me yeah <laughs> um, but no I mean I, I think it sort of shows you know in the last couple of games under Hazen Hutal that you know someone like Nathan Redmond you know it's key for his confidence as a player but also it reiterates that he can be a key player for Saints I think Redmond was probably by general agreement 
the one of the best players under Hughes this season as well. Uh, but his game's gone up another level now under Hasenhutu. And, and Hasenhutu, I uh, was asked about Redmond after the game, and he said what was quite interesting is his phraseology was a, was a bit um, strange. But what what he was effectively saying was Redmond stop getting stuck out on the wing when we're in the transition phase going forward and try and get a bit more central so you can actually get the ball. I think he actually said, uh, you need to be in the net, not parked on the outside or something yeah, yeah. like that. But we kind of understood what he meant. Um, and Redmond's taken that on board. And actually, one other thing about Redmond as well is he's really taken on uh, a proper senior player type role within the within the squad as well, I think. He's really sort of stepped up and he's been great. I know particularly with Obafemi mm. has uh, spoken about how amazing Redmond's been with him and how encouraging he is, how much he talks to him all the time, yeah, yeah. Uh, tries to really just help him, give him advice, give him pointers. And bear in mind, Redmond's only early 20s. Yeah, he's got buckets of experience for somebody of that age, but he's still only a young player himself, really. But, you know, Saints paid good money to get him to, for the for the potential that he's kind of showing him. And Ralph being Ralph, this is one of the great things about Ralph is that you ask him about it, Redmond and he's saying, yeah, this is what he should be doing. Mm. Not like, oh, yeah, he's amazing. I'm going to praise him to the hill. He's like, yeah, but the ability he's got, this is what he should be doing. This yeah. this isn't this isn't amazing. This is just we, what he should be doing. I think we've all kind of realised that as fans. You know, he's he's always been the sort of one of the players that seems to get the target of abuse from fans. I don't agree with the abuse personally, obviously, but I think he's one of those players that we know can deliver more. Yeah, uh, I think that's very true. And the other thing is, it's um, when you're a player like him, and so your game often relies on running at people uh, with the ball, that's something that often doesn't come off. Mm. So you can have four or five runs at a defender, and you might get stopped three or four times, even if you're really good, even if you're one of the best players in the world. But it's the one time you get through, yeah. what do you then do with it? What is your end product? And that has been the problem with Redmond. It's not the fact that he hasn't been able to beat defenders, but it's been the fact that, well, what has he then produced? And a lot of that is, yeah, I think, self-belief and confidence-based as much as anything, because he's got lots of ability. I don't think mm. there's any doubt about that. Mm. So if, if Harsen Hooter was giving him that confidence and saying, I believe in you, get out there and do it, mm. and, you know, and giving him a clear plan as to this is what I want you to do, then yeah, it, you know, it's great to see him delivering. Mm. We were talking about Michael Obafemi before we uh, started recording, and the fact he could have had a hat trick. The main thing was he finally got on the score sheet after a few games, and uh, Saints' youngest ever Premier League scorer, eighteen years, one hundred and sixty-nine days. So again, you know, in terms of positivity around the club, great for him, great for the first team, great for the academy to see him score. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think anybody who's seen the social media this week from uh, put out by Southampton Football Club would have seen um, Ralph in his, you know, turning up in his Santa hat and whatever and, you know, shaking hands with the, the very young academy players and things like that. And he's given them belief straight away. I mean, it's, you know, every every week when I get the team sheet, it's like, right, OK, we need to look up who this youngster is on the bench this week. Who's this week's lucky youngster who's <laughs> won his place on the bench this week? Uh, so, I, I mean, by and you, the thing is, I think in a seven-man substitutes bench, you can carry one youngster mm. for experience um, most weeks. I don't think I, I don't think that's unreasonable mm. to do that. Um, so it's good to see him actually doing it. Though, obviously, the interesting um, side of this, on, on the flip side, not not a negative side per se, but for for some players, it is is it's very very interesting to see who's not even making the eighteen yeah, now. Yeah. And there's there's a few players that have cost a lot of money and a few big names who've got to be wondering what their future is here at the mm. moment because mm. there are. 18, 19 year old kids who haven't played a game mm. who are being included mm. uh, head of very established players on very big contracts. Mm. I think that says a lot though maybe about Harsen Hootel's mentality. I mean I've written down here Gabbiadini, Al Yunusi we spoke about last week, Steve Davis again, there's a lot of chat about him going to Rangers, Wesley Hoyt was nowhere to be seen, um, Fraser Forster again we know and I think you know be very surprised if he does turn up, maybe more surprisingly JWP not anywhere to be mm. seen, Prousey, but Yeah uh, I think that is a surprise because I think yeah. everybody thought this manager was going to be the one for him. Yeah. Finally, he was going to have a manager mm. that was going to work for him. Mm. And so, if if, the, if he's being if he mm. ends up being cut out for a period of time, it'll be interesting now though, because obviously with with so many games coming up in such such a short space of time, you'd expect him to use the squad. Mm. And so he'll probably use this opportunity to have a look at a few of those. And you feel like there's a few, and the ones that didn't even make the 18th the weekend, of course, are chief amongst them, mm. um, for whom. This is a really big Christmas now mm. in terms of their Saints futures yeah. because if they get a chance and they come in, they don't impress. Mm. Then what future is there for them? I, I don't. I don't see much of a future. Do you, Do you think Hasan Hutul's 
I mean, he's only been at the club two weeks. Do you think he genuinely believes these young lads are ready, or do you think it is more about sending a message both to senior pros that can't be bothered, maybe hypothetically, to train, and that you know he's saying to the academy, as he said during the week, there are jewels there. We need to find them. We need to polish them. So it's like we will give you a chance, guys. Look, here's a couple of people that have already been on the bench. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, a lot of what Harsen Hootel's done is kind of make a, making statements. Mm. Um, rather than doing, you know, he hasn't reinvented the wheel since he came in. Um, but you know, the way that he's he's done stuff is is to sort of you know make it plain that it's kind of my way that we're doing things. This is how we're doing it. Um, this is what I expect of you. This is what I demand from you. And and that real uh, my way or the highway attitude that he's um, adopted obviously has worked um, in the in the short term. Uh, because they've got two wins in a row. But also, he is making these statements that he's making by putting these kids on the bench mm-hmm. is, no, if you're if you're prepared to come along and you're prepared to work hard, you're going to get your rewards. And that's so much of this, um, what he's doing at the moment, is about hard work rather mm-hmm. than recognising ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess that's different from what some managers do where they think, well, who are my best 11? Who are my most talented 11? How can I get them on the pitch? As Whereas I think he's come in and said, well, who are the 11 that are going to work the hardest mm-hmm. that I can get into a formation yeah. and then I'm going to get them out there um, and, and on the bench as well. So I think this is a statement. Whether he really thinks all of these kids are ready mm-hmm. um, that he's putting on the bench, like Johnson last week, Ramsey this week, I'm not convinced that he does think they're mm-hmm. ready. The very fact that Johnson's on the bench one week and he's not there the next mm, yeah, uh, suggests, and I imagine that Ramsey might be the same, suggests that this is more kind of a statement yeah. and given them, you know, if they've worked hard, given them a bit of experience around the squad as opposed mm. to they're mm. ready to come in and play. Mm. But, you know, why not? He's trying to set a tone. And, and as we've discussed in the last week or two, all the actions that he's done uh, so far have been all, it seems to me, very much designed to set this tone mm. and this this ethos that he wants to go from day one. Um, and you know it's working so good on him yeah just um, in terms of other players maybe for Saints that stood out yesterday was there anyone particularly you know other than maybe Redmond and Femi that you sort of came away thinking they had a good really good performance I, the midfield duo Hoybe and uh, Romeu were really good and obviously you know Hoybe is going to give you everything mm. and he really put himself about yesterday you know he was a, he was virtually on his knees at the end being picked up by teammates uh, he was so knackered uh, he put in so much but Romeo probably deserves special mention because he's been out of the team mm. um, and has been completely frozen out in the cold uh, so I mean he was excellent yesterday I guess it's also worth giving um, you know defence were very good Yoshida was solid as you'd expect Bednarek I guess we're now beginning to ask well, where has he been but probably a special mention for Vestergaard who's obviously had a tough time mm. recently but probably it was his best performance I think for, for a long time or maybe this season maybe ever for Saints therefore yeah really good um, there was nobody who pl- who played poorly everybody contributed yesterday mm. I think the mid- central midfield duo were excellent I mean I think the only shame is that I believe that was Hoybear's fifth yellow so mm-hmm. he'll be missing for West Ham but they obviously do have Lamina mm-hmm. who's come back from injury and came on at the end yesterday to come straight in for him so though that'll be a miss of some kind at least it's they've kind of got a top player to come in for him so before the game then, let's get on to Twitter, because I want to pick a bone with you. Go on. So before the, the game yesterday, you posted a picture of a, uh, it looks like a Huddersfield Town Christmas bauble, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and you put a tweet saying he's come early with a, an emoji of Santa, which was uh, very exciting. Um, at half-time, Adam, yeah. you then added to that by uh, retweeting it with a comment saying, and he's bringing three points too. Yeah, that was right, wasn't it? You were spot on. <laughs> <laughs> other than maybe, and I had absolute confidence in you, of course, other than maybe between... 55 and 70 minutes <laughs> where I was sweating and I think probably most Saints fans were and I think uh, Saints were rocking a little bit but uh, yeah I mean as I said in my tweet back I mean 17 seasons following Saints and you I don't know if it was confidence or whether you were saying Huddersfield were bad oh well it was a it was a bit of both to be honest because I put it obviously out at half time as you said the um, and I don't normally do anything at half time because normally I'm quite busy and my priority Easy. well my priority at half time is to finish what I'm doing that takes me normally five minutes for half time and then in the remaining ten minutes go to the toilet and get a drink <laughs> and then get back but uh, at Huddersfield you're kind of trapped in the press box it's one of these it's a long bench so when you're in you're in and that's it basically oh, so, it's like those really inconvenient bunkers at restaurants and stuff yes it's yeah, just yeah. like that yeah so if you need the toilet then, you're, then you're just screwed yeah <laughs> basically so obviously I had a bit more time to kill at half time yesterday so I thought oh well you know this is going really well I'll put a tweet out uh, but I was supremely confident I mean partly because Saints were playing well and I, I just didn't 
expect Huddersfield to be as terrible as they were in the first half. They did come back a bit in the second half, but yeah, there was that small spell where Saints were rocking a bit, but still felt really they weren't going to score. I mean, they scored what well, the goal they scored was you know a twenty-five yard kind of freak hit, really mm-hmm. that that McCarthy probably should have done a bit better with, yeah. and that was it. And then, you know, other than you thought, oh well, maybe a set piece, mm-hmm. they might get something from a set piece. Other than that, I couldn't see them scoring if they were still there now. Mm. Thankfully, they weren't as. Uh good or as bad as uh, Tramir away that everyone remember and uh, Leeds United at home where we were cruising at half time in both those games so. yeah well, I don't know if Twitter even existed then so thankfully I, probably, I probably not, didn't, so. uh, didn't make a fool of myself no and look just to finish up on Huddersfield then it's been a massive seven days for Saints picking up six points you know some really good performance individually collectively as you said right at the start of this we're all going into Christmas now yes there's tough games around the corner but the world is looking a much happier place yeah, and it's so great just to have that feeling of positivity. It's just nice, isn't it? I've been so long. I mean, it's it just it just feels like that. It just I mean, even from like my point of view, as I mean, you could say more what it feels like as a fan. But from my point of view, professionally, trust me, it's so much easier to write about wins than it is to write about defeats. When you're writing about defeats all the time and and negative things that happen at the club, you have to go so you're always having to go so careful with what you say because it's so easy to say something. Um, kind of like a, a flippant comment that then really upsets people or you know or a, a criticism that you you know it's fine to criticize but in, in my in my role I'm always like well if I'm going to criticize I'll kind of explain why I'll justify why I think mm-hmm. it and then people don't have to agree with it but at least I've explained it but it's so easy to then just kind of off the cuff make a criticism where you don't do that and then you know then you're annoying people and stuff like that. but when people are winning everybody's happy and mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to actually use some superlatives to talk glowingly about Saints to be excited by going to watch the team again rather than just thinking oh no not another not another game not another you know Groundhog Day uh, performance and it's just it's just nice it's just nice to have that feeling and you know nobody knows what what the future brings obviously but it's good to at least have that feeling of optimism because it's been a long time since we've I think most of us have felt that. Okay, let's take the uh, pod in a more festive direction then, Adam. I've put together a Christmas quiz that I know you don't know about, so there's not been any cheating here. Ten questions, 20 available points. Before we uh, start, how good is your Christmas knowledge, or should I ask you that at the end? Uh, I think that the final score will um, will tell its own tale. <laughs> We're just about to find out. So uh, play along at home, or uh, wherever you're listening to. This is the uh, TSP Christmas quiz. So the first question oh, then, I Adam, wish I knew this was happening beforehand. <laughs> some of them are really easy. So the first question is... Where does Santa Claus live? The North Pole. There we go, you see? Easy. Yes! Easy, one Woo! point, good. Which meat do we traditionally eat on Christmas Day? Turkey. There you go, you see? I told you oh, I know everything about Christmas, it turns out. A multiple choice question there, Ooh, okay. I like that. What was baby Jesus born in? A, a Premier Inn, B, a Saint shirt, or C, a stable? I'm pretty sure it was a stable. You are absolutely flying there. Right, three points for this one, Okay. What gifts did the three kings take to baby Jesus? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Oh, this is see. You're, you were very, very... Not Huddersfield Christmas bauble. <laughs> three points. Does... And uh, Harson Hooter in a pear tree. That's a new song. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, it links not quite nicely into the next question because they're going to start getting harder now. So in the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, oh, which no. you just started uh, yeah. singing a bit there, um, how many lords are leaping? You get this right then. I know you've been cheating. Uh, nine. Close. Ten. Oh, ten, ten, damn. Ten, ten lords are leaping, okay? Oh, what was that? One lord was not a leaping uh, for me. Right. In the original Christmas story, how many reindeer does Santa have? Oh, my goodness me. It's not as many as you think, is it? <laughs> it's like, well, it depends how many you think there is, I suppose. Um, nine. Oh, that's close. That's close. It's eight. Oh, I was going to say eight yeah. as well. I was going to say so, eight. Because it's nine if you include Rudolph. Who that's what I thought. More. Right, so Cause I thought it was like pairs and then Rudolph went at the front. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. That's good. So, right. So, there was eight in the original story then. For a point each. No. How many of them can you name? Um, Blitzen. <laughs> well done. Donna. Dasher. Um, oh... I feel like we should have a countdown clock in the background. Yeah, you probably should. Um, Just so we're not here for like a week on Wednesday and you're trying to... <laughs> still get up. Christmas is long gone. <laughs> and I'm still trying to guess the reindeer. Right, you've got Dasher, Donna, Blitzen. Five to um, 
I think I might be out of reindeer. Yeah. Um, we've got a, like a, a a fake reindeer in my gar in the garden here. Um, when, when you go to the Saints' Christmas party and there's no one on the on the floor and the music's just just right for you and you get up and you start throwing a few shots. Dancer. There you go. Well done. Um, Does that happen by the way? I don't get invited to the Saints' Christmas party, All right. so uh, I can't. I can't give it. I can't reveal any secrets because I don't know any. Um, no, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Right. I'm out of range. That's not bad though. Four out of eight. So the other four were Prancer. Ah, oh, of course. Cupid. Cupid. Yeah, I'm not making these up. Comet and Vixen. Oh, you know yeah, what? So. That's stupid because I was actually at a quiz the other day, and Comet and Vixen as being reindeer came up. I should have remembered that. Yeah, you see. That's good, right. The question was like, what are the, what two reindeers, no, what two reindeers are named after weather events? And I'm not sure Comet is technically a weather event, but Comet and Blitzen, Blitzen. as in Blitz, which is, I think, uh, it's actually a German word. Um, It doesn't sound like a Not as good as this one. No, it's not as good as this, obviously, (laughs) no, obviously. Right, three questions to go, okay? So this one, uh, I I put this one in for my children because they love this song. So, according to the song, when Santa got stuck up the chimney, what did he shout? Uh, I've got to say I'm going to disappoint your kids because I just I don't know that song what he said Adam was you girls and boys won't get any toys if you don't get me out oh okay if you listen to it on the iPod after okay yeah I'm looking forward to it it's a Christmas classic right in the Christmas film The Polar Express this is question number nine which famous American actor plays the voice of Santa Claus well I've never seen The Polar Express okay we'll just think Um, of an American actor then George Clooney oh that's not far that's not far think of uh, Saving Private Ryan Tom Hanks. Yeah, you get half a point for that because I gave you a clue. <laughs> well, right. To be fair, because I got it wrong, I'm fairly grateful to get anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay, so the last question is, if you received all the gifts in the whole of the 12 Days of Christmas song, so if you bear in mind you get one, then you get one plus two, then you get one plus two plus three, etc., right. how many gifts would you get? And there's two points for this because it's Christmas, I'm feeling generous. Are, are we able to pause this while I... Well, I count up. Well, if, yeah, I mean, I'll edit it and then it'll sound like you've thought of the answer in 10 seconds or something. 78. Well, no, right. no, 79. Oh, no, well, you, you're kind of right. It's 78, but then you have to times it by the number of uh, verses. So the answer oh, is 364. So I'll give, you, I'll give you one point for that. Because oh. you're right, it is 78 and then you times it by yeah. however many it is to get yeah, to 364. To, yeah, okay. Fair enough. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8.5, 9.5 out of 20. To be honest, I'll take that. That's that's that seems respectable considering. Uh, yeah, I obviously don't have much Christmas knowledge. It turns out good. Well, it's not bad. Well, hopefully you did better at home. That was the TSP Christmas quiz. Adam Leach and Steve Grant, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Right, after that emotional Christmas roller coaster, there's no time for Adam to relax, albeit his butler has just arrived with some mulled wine and uh, shortbread for us. Yummy, that looks very tasty, actually. Yeah, thanks, Jeeves. <laughs> um, it's time for Ask Adam. Um, thanks for all your questions. No, get, get back to the cellar. <laughs> Finish cleaning. Uh, have you got Have you got napkin? Anyway, it's gone. Um, right, so there's a few questions in from uh, Twitter and Facebook as well, Adam, so we'll try and rattle through uh, many of these as we can. So we're going to start with our friends over at saintsworld.co.uk. Um, so they asked, what are Adam's expectations from Saints regarding ins and outs in the January transfer window? And just while you're mulling that over and sort of closely linked to that, David Gilchrist at GilCHRD asked, any chance of a January player purge or is there no point if we still have to subsidise wages? Well... In terms of January, there's not a lot of money to spend. There's not a big. There's not going to be a big budget there, uh, if, if any budget at all, really. So it's going to be a case of having to sell to buy mainly, I think. Unless you know, Hassanuto has one or two that he can bring in for kind of virtually nothing, as it were, and it's just wages. I think that they they obviously need an overhaul of the squad. I, I don't think there's you know that would exactly be. Uh, making a controversial statement to say that obviously it's been a long time coming really and I think Saints want to change tack a little bit they they kind of have had this policy when Les Reed was there of trying to I guess avoid a lot of problems that can crop up in a squad by 
keeping a very level sort of even kind of keel in terms of wages and contracts so trying to get people on similar length contracts on similar wages so a lot of the squad are earning you know within within reason a fairly similar amount of money and have quite long contracts etc which is a way of doing it and you know i'm not saying it's the wrong way of doing it necessarily but it, it, it what it's done at saints is they've accumulated a lot of kind of average players and there's, you used to look at the squad now and, and there's Harsten Hill himself so when he came in it's too big mm. there's too many players here yeah. and especially a lot of players that, that are here that aren't going to play mm. um, now I think what Saints want to do is probably in time reduce that number but then also be prepared because they've got less players um, to spend more money and perhaps bigger wages on bringing in a few sort of stars as it were Obviously, that has its own challenges, known problems, because that can disrupt a dressing room, and especially if there's this real togetherness that Haas and Hootel's building, the sort of teamwork and team spirit. People then sometimes feel a bit annoyed if somebody comes in and is suddenly earning loads more money and things like that. But I think Saints feel they've gone down one route, it hasn't worked for them, maybe we should transition to the other route. But um, the point in the second question is true, that when you've got players obviously on long contracts... And let's be honest, players on long contracts who are not wanted by other Premier League football clubs, um, you've got a problem because they can't go anywhere else and earn the same amount of money. And what is the incentive then for them to go? You're really relying on those players desperately wanting to play, wanting to play enough that they're prepared to take potentially a significant pay cut. The only other option is to try and loan them out and then subsidise their wages. Um, in some way, which will either be subsidising almost all of their wages, like some of the loans we've already seen, or um, if you can find an, a good club, you know, some, you know, a club with some money, maybe just subsidising a small portion of their wages. So the thing is that this is something that is not going to be a quick fix for Saints. It's not something I think that they can probably do quickly now. They've, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner. I think the room for manoeuvre in January is maybe. If there's one or two they can move on um, you know with uh, somebody like Stephen Davis who's out of contract at the end of the year and wanted somewhere else he doesn't look like he's going to play much this season so if he goes that frees up a senior you know quite a senior salary to maybe bring in somebody else if it don't cost a lot of money maybe there's a bit of interest in one or two others perhaps they, they might cash in on, on one or two others but I don't honestly see a lot of surgery Saints certainly know that obviously unless something bonkers happens with some insane offer for a player they can't afford to cash in on the, the players that are playing at the moment because they, they've got to keep them up this season yep. so I don't think there's going to be a big sale it's just a case of is there anything around the edges they can do to free up some funds to bring in maybe a couple that Harsen Hutu wants just to beef things up a little bit and just this isn't a question that's necessarily come in it's more of a question for me is it the end of January pretty much when the window shuts which is when they can um, sort of put their 25 man squad in again refresh it if there are any changes or how does that work yeah I think it's the end of it's after the window closes again I believe um, as far as I know that's what it is yeah, uh, yeah and so that obviously they can they can make any alterations they want then to that um, I don't know what the deal is when you sign players before the end of January in terms of what the mm. situation is there I assume that you can transfer them into your squad and mm. somebody out instantly in yeah. the January window period Fair enough, right. The next question is from Mark on Twitter, at Spanner3566. Um, I think we've spoken about this a, a fair a fair bit that we may well know the answer to this, but I still think it's a good question. He says, hi Adam, do you think Manolo Gabardini has a future under Hassan Hutal? I'm beginning to think no. Um, I think the thing for Gabardini is, this is basically, appears to now be the fourth manager in a row that hasn't really fancied him. Obviously he had that great impact when he first came in, which... To a certain extent, he's lived off of, to be honest, during his time at Saints. Mm. Um, but even, you know, that was in January. And even by the end of that season, Claude seemed to have kind of lost a little bit of faith in him. Mm. Um, and then Pellegrino sort of didn't have a lot of faith in him. Hughes didn't have much faith in him. You know, we saw Hughes hardly using him. And now the new manager's come in and, and obviously doesn't look like he wants to use him either. I think when you add all those things up, um, it's pretty hard to see a way back for him, if I'm mm. totally honest. I think... The, the natural move is is for him to go and maybe you know there's a lot of talk of Italian clubs being interested and, and to be honest I think that that's at some stage whether it's January or whether it's in the summer I, I think that's the, the natural move the problem Saints have got 
with regards January is obviously losing a striker. They don't they're not blessed with lots of strikers, so you feel like they would need to bring somebody in. So it's a case of whether they could do one out and one in. But I think with all things the Gabbiadini thing has been an intriguing one as a player because he's obviously somebody who's been kind of revered and loved by supporters but not by managers mm, mm. and that's a really interesting there's been a lot of get Gabbiadini yeah. in the team and then Gabbiadini has come in the team and the manager thought oh actually I remember why I'm not picking him now and taking him back out again and I think when you've got once you get like three four managers in a row I think Steve made the point with uh, mm-hmm. with another player uh, maybe a while ago and he said, you know, you, you just begin to get this feeling if everybody doesn't fancy them, then mm. there's something else that we don't see behind mm. the scenes, maybe, that, that is part of the reason here. OK, the next question comes from Jordan Baldridge um, at J.E. Baldridge. He asks, Adam, do you think the new boss regrets not being able to use the likes of Josh Sims, Jake Hesketh, Sam McQueen, etc., who on loan, considering his willingness to play our academy talent, what do you think about those loan moves now that we're well into the campaign? Well, I think that you, with the loans and things like that, you only make a decision, the best decision you can at the time. And, and those guys realistically weren't going to play. I mean, you look at it now, how many of them are go- would actually be playing now? Because for all the talk of the, the young players coming through, as we discussed earlier, let's be completely honest, most of them aren't playing in the first team, are they? Oberfemi's getting a game, as he was under Hughes, off the bench. Um, Valerie's had a couple of games, but realistically, Cedric's going to come back in that role again. And, and the others aren't playing. Would any of those actually be getting a game now? Well, maybe, maybe not. I'm not. I'm not convinced they would be, to be honest. So I think that they're actually in a good place, uh, being you know the ones who are out on loan um, and, and actually playing games, especially somebody like Hesketh, who, for my money, this is a long overdue loan move. He's needed this, I think, for for a couple of years, and thank goodness he's there. And I don't see any reason to disrupt that and just keep him out. Um, for as long this season as you can, and just get him getting experience and getting games. I think that's a good a good thing. And then come back in the summer again with the number one priority being uh, staying up this season. Ralph has to use the players that that he thinks can do it, and uh, and you know the the bunch that he's kind of got at the moment, the small senior bunch that he's picking from. In reality, is probably going to be the bunch he's going to pick from for the rest of the season. And then, again, I think it's a case of assess everything in the summer for next season. So moving over to Facebook then, uh, Richard Masters followed up with a question. He wanted to know why Saints always kick towards the Northern um, in the first half of games and essentially give the opposition the chance to kick towards their away fans um, in the second half when there may be momentum. Um, I, I was thinking about this, and uh, I'm not necessarily saying it's a question for you, Ellen, because I'm not sure if you know the answer to that. I don't, no. no. Um, but I was thinking sort of after Richard had asked it that, you know, you think of Liverpool, they kick towards the Cop, Villa kick towards mm. the whole ten, United tend to kick towards the, the Stretford. And I think it's just one of those unwritten rules in football that you tend to... Uh, kick towards the majority of your home fans in the second half and they, they will suck the ball into the net and all those sorts of things. But to try and get a bit more of a scientific answer, Rich, um, I reached out to Leon, uh, Leon Burton from the Saints Archive, and uh, his response to me was, uh, for some reason, since being at St Mary's, that has always been the case. No reason, just habit, and it's stuck. From my point of view, I love it as I'm in the chapel. Going back to the Dow when I went first in 1965, whenever Saints won or lost the toss, they always kicked towards the archers. The Milton being the noisiest would heave the ball into the back of the net the strange thing is at St Mary's the home dressing room is on the right hand side looking towards the pitch however when they come out the dressing room Saints always line up on the left hand side and enter the pitch that way so it doesn't necessarily answer the question but I think the generic answer Rich is that clubs have an unwritten rule really that they tend to kick towards the majority of their fans in the second half and whilst I understand that that can give uh, away fans a bit of momentum as well you would hope that the majority of home fans can suck the ball into the net when you need it Okay, a couple more questions then, Adam. Back to uh, Twitter. So Leighton Allen, at Late Allen asked, with Ralph Hasenhutl now in charge, do you think that we have a better chance of attracting a higher calibre of player? And I think we can probably consider that either January or next summer. I think that's probably a yes. I mean, the, to be honest, the majority of players come for the club and for the for the chance to play in the Premier League and the contract, to be fair. I mean, I'm not sure necessarily the who is the manager is the, always the decisive factor in this, but... Um, it might be, especially if Saints try and attract maybe some players from the Bundesliga, that Harsen Hootel's um, sort of reputation and stock in Germany uh, does help to bring in um, some players like that. But I think Saints are an attractive club anyway. I imagine his connections as well. You know, he'll know agents out there that will have players that will fancy the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing about Ralph is that I think he's been relatively honest. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't think that. 
um, necessarily if he does a great job at Saints, he's going to be here for particularly a long, long time. Um, you know, he said himself, you know, he's, at this stage, he's not going to go from where he's been to Bayern Munich, but he needs to go somewhere else in between. And we saw, we've seen that with other managers, haven't we? Like Pochettino, most, most notably in recent years. And I guess the same is true for a lot of players. But uh, I mean, I think we discussed it a few weeks ago. We've kind of had this going from complaining that everybody wants Saints as players to being in a situation now where nobody wants Saints as players. And there's a reason nobody wants Saints as players. And that's because they're playing near the bottom of the table. So to, if you're going to get players in who are hungry and ambitious because they want to play for Man United or they want to go and play for Bayern Munich or they, you know something like that or Barcelona or whatever, then okay, you have to accept that you're not maybe going to hold on to them if they do succeed. But actually, Saints have got the chance to offer those people the chance to come and have a stepping stone. And and if they succeed, then that means Saints are going to succeed. And I think that Hasenhutl will have a lot of contacts um, and maybe in places as well that Saints don't have contacts, markets that they pr- t- traditionally perhaps haven't tapped as, as much as, as some others. Um, so I think it's him, him being there is going to be a bonus, even if that's not the complete reason I think that a player would necessarily sign. You know, we don't know, and again, this is not a question, this is just me talking, we don't know football, you never quite know what's going to happen. But I, I guess I'm thinking as a fan, it would be nice to try and have him this season, keep us up, you know, get some momentum going, have a bit of an overhaul next summer and have a bit of a Ronald Koeman type push for the top eight, six again the following season. And then if he does that, you know, more than happy for him to go on. And I know we're jumping the gun a lot here, you know, getting very carried away because we won a couple of games. But it'd be nice to sort of think even for him coming in and proving himself, he's not going to jump at the first opportunity, hypothetically, if Spurs does come up in the summer. Of course, he's not got any loyalty to us, but you kind of hope there might be at least a, an 18 months there to, to sort of have some sort of journey with us. I think the other thing you've got to consider in that is um, who is going to take him um, as well. I mean, based on let's be fair, six, what is going to be six months in the Premier League to say that one of the big six would take a manager based on that. Yeah, I know, obviously, he's done well in Bundesliga, clearly. But, you know, the Premier League's a little bit different, and especially going to a big six club. I think, realistically, you need to prove yourself over a period of time. Um, so I don't... I don't Like you said, you never know. You never say never in football. But I don't really foresee us having to, you know, be sweating after... He's been here two weeks, and there's people already sweating that he's going <laughs> to leave for Spurs in the summer. I, I think we can not worry too much about that. And I completely agree. Yeah. Ultimately, number one priority, stay up this year. Number two, get a whole summer to, to do a bit of a squad turnover yeah. and to get this style of football you know, really in and going um, and hopefully have a really vibrant summer, busy summer um, and, and start the season on the front foot next year and, and have a great year. And then let's see where that ends up. I was going to say once bitten, twice shy, but I think it's 50 times bitten, twice shy. But, uh, there we go. So, uh, look, uh, just, just finally, before the last question then, Tor, um, I know you asked about Adam telling some more Wee Gordon Strachan stories. Um, I don't think we're going to have time today, but I've, I've promised and we've agreed with Adam that uh, before the end of the season, we'll try and do some form of manager special and talk to you about uh, some of the uh, the sort of anecdotes from that uh, time of uh, your career, Adam. But kind of linked to that, Paul Hankey asked a, a really good question. So, Paul underscore Hankey, last question of Ask Adam for this week. Out of all the managers, Sackins you've covered Adam which manager do you think given more time would have gone on to be a success with Saints and uh, leave what defines success under the manager down to you guys well that's a really tough question 16 managers um, yeah so I mean the thing about all the Sackins is that they come at a time for a reason don't they um, and the context is is that I, th- I think I think going back a little way I always thought that actually Paul Sturrock would have done a reasonable job actually um, given more time, I, I I think he would have done the. He has the, funny eyes, doesn't he? <laughs> funny eyes. Um, well, I, t- I don't really remember his eyes. If I'm totally honest, but um, yeah, I think the thing was he was he was like as a character didn't fit really what Saints wanted. I'm not quite sure why they appointed him because he 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 wasn't any different when he turned up to what everybody said he was going to be like. Um, but I just think him as a, as a person, the way he was, he was so incredibly laid back and scruffy mm. and you always, nonchalant you always hear lots of myths don't you about managers and ex-managers and current managers and stuff comes out so there was obviously myths going around that all they ever did in training under Starrett was six side games well I don't think that was true but I think he put a few players nose out of joint when he first arrived mm. um, straight away basically mm. I think he was he was just kind of quite uh, they had 
I, I would say that the kind of the dressing room they had under Sturrock obviously was eventually it was a dressing room that got relegated. And when he came in, they had probably some very fragile egos in that dressing room, I would say. Um, it was, yeah. In fact, some of the most fragile egos I think I've ever dealt with at Saints. And that was it before it was super mega money like it is now even. Um, and super mega egos. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. But... Um, yeah, and, and I think that this guy coming in and basically wandering in and going, right, OK. And, and bear in mind, Saints had had a measure of success under Strachan. All right, the wheels had come off before the end of Strachan, before Strachan left, which is something that I think many people forget. That, that slide towards relegation had, I believe, begun under Strachan. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that there was a feeling that these, from the, some of these players that they were, were way better than this guy. Yeah, this yeah. guy just coming in and going look, what I want you to do is chip the ball in the corners, chase after it, wang it in the box, then stick it in the net. And that was basically the game plan. That sounds like what we do now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that they... they and, and there he was, like, at the, um, the pre-season tour, like, laying on the dugout while they were training. Like, there's a famous picture of him lounging in his shorts with his sort of legs wide open and... <laughs> And then, and then Rupert turned up, and, and and he used to go for a jog with like Strachan and stuff. And obviously, Starrett was like, "I'm not going for a run with you." <laughs> and uh, I don't know. All of this sort of played into uh, the whole situation. I could, uh, I mean, I'll save some of these stories for for my yeah, book yeah. when I eventually write it because there were a few cracking uh, Starrett related stories in the short time he was there. Absolute belters that I've never told before. I will do it at some point. But so yeah, he's, he's the one, is he? He just didn't. He. You can't, in a way, you can't ever say that because they're sacked for a reason. He was sacked because he didn't fit. But a lot of those players and some of the chief ones that didn't like him may either prove to be completely useless as they got relegated or left really quickly after he went. And so, um, with that in mind, you wonder whether they'd have been better off just sticking with him and actually they might not have gone down. Good. Well, we very much appreciate everyone sending in their questions. Adam, thanks for answering them. They weren't too tough on anything. Not as tough no, as not the tough as quiz. The quiz was much harder. I'm still reeling from the quiz at the moment. I feel, I feel like asking you again what the eight reindeer are, but I'm not going to do that to you. So, Comet. Good. <coughs> very much appreciated. Blitzen, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Donna. Have you said that twice? No. No, I don't think so. Good. All right. That's well, all of them, isn't it? We'll leave it there. Okay, so we're briefly going to look ahead to uh, the West Ham game then, uh, Adam, just uh, up on the 27th of uh, December, I sort of say it with a frustrating twitch as I think about <laughs> the original Boxing Day game, but uh, there we go. Um, West Ham had been on a good run, I think they'd won four in a row or something like that, but then lost to, to Watford at the weekend. Um, as we sort of spoke about earlier, a bit of positive momentum in Saints' direction, they've lost, maybe um, a bit negative in the way they're thinking and uh, a good time to face them possibly. Yeah, you're still a bit bitter, aren't you, about, about Sky Sports picking that game? Yeah. <laughs> very bitter sort of ruined your Christmas a bit hasn't it I guess the one good thing is it's on telly so at least I can watch it yeah that's I'm not, true I'm not going to miss true. it completely no that's that's very true and it'll be warm he says through gritted yeah. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to help it'll be warm um, yeah, you know there'll be no cues for the, the toilet, toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've run out now uh, yeah, the fact they've lost, I guess, is 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 big. I mean, I, I know Steve's spoken about them a few times, hasn't he? And uh, as as sort of, he's seen them more than I have, and and has said like they're quite flaky, basically. And yeah, I think that that sort of sums them up, really. That without Arnautovic, they for me, they're just not the same same threat. Um, but that said, they've got a lot of good players. They spent a lot of money. They've got a decent manager, and yeah, they they lost a game, and you don't know how they'll react. Whether they'll be they'll be like you said, really. Nip- excuse me negative or whether that'll really spur them on to think right okay no we don't want to let this fester now we're going to try and get a win but from Saints' point of view I think it's a case of more of the same really mm. just just go on the front foot um, and give it a go I mean Ralph has set a target of he wants them to win one of the two home games mm. uh, which is tough because they're tough games um, but he thinks that's possible and if they could do that then great and again looking at it Neutrally, you'd have to say that West Ham is the best chance to win a game. Um, given the momentum Saints have got behind them, given, I think, the post-Christmas cheer and positivity they'll be at St Mary's, and 
you know, it's a night game, so no doubt we're going to get a light show and some fire as well um, before the game. It's, it might just be a, a good atmosphere and, and this positivity hopefully spills over onto the pitch. And, and you know, I, I, I think they can, I, I'm feeling fairly chipper that they might get another win. I think it's going to be a harder game, I think, than some people perhaps give it credit for. But I, I think they might just be able to edge this. Ralph made a great comment to you. I was listening to the uh, the second half of your interview that the Saints guys put up um, when he was talking to you in the press conference prior to mm-hmm. Huddersfield. He made a, a great comment. I think you asked him about sort of days off and things like that. And he said, you know, the players, if they work hard, if they get results, they, you know, will be more inclined to give them time off and give them what they deserve. So do you know what Saints plan this week is in terms of sort of Christmas and Boxing Day and bearing in mind the game sort of 24 hours later than it might have been? Yeah, I think, I think that, that, to be honest, they will be in most of the time. It's just going to be a case of... Um, I think trying to be reasonable to the players like on Christmas Day for example have them in for a little bit of time in the morning but enough that they can get home and they can have lunch and time with their, and the evening with their families and, and stuff I mean, like that they're still humans at the end of the day aren't of course they, they families, are yeah. of course they are and they deserve you know a bit of time yeah okay they're being well paid etc etc but yeah I mean most of them they're of an age where the majority of them have got young kids and stuff and, and, and of course they, they want to be at home so I think that that's the important thing for the manager is to get that right. But I think Harsen Hootel will, and especially as they've won. I think he's very keen, again, we talked about sending messages to, to kind of give this message. Mm. If you deserve it, if you earn it, you get it. Mm. You get your rewards. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're if going to work your nuts off and you win the game, yeah, you'll get a bit more time off. There you go. And that's I think that he'll do that. Now, what will be interesting is he said um, in that press conference as well, that the Arsenal game, the the intensity of of playing his style really took its toll. And he was saying a lot of the players, that was a Sunday game, were complaining still on Tuesday that they were tired Mm -hmm. and they were sore and things like that. So obviously it'll be interesting to see how quickly they recover from what was was another physical battle up at Huddersfield. Plus obviously, Mm -hmm. all right, they flew home, so it's not too bad, but it's still a bit of travel for them and and things like that. But I'm I'm pretty chipper, they'll they'll do all right. And form aside, I guess West Ham will be looking at it now thinking particularly with Hazen who told them maybe a few weeks ago they would have thought oh brilliant a jolly down to a Southampton three points you know Christmas cheer etc etc even if they were in good form prior to losing to Watford you know it's a much stiffer test now for them coming down and facing Hazen who Saints and that's a big thing for their mindset as well if you're a player isn't it because uh, when you you know it's, it's easy to play when you want to play and if you think that it's going to be uh, you know just a oh, we'll stroll out and we'll, we'll knock the ball around and, and we'll win when you know the style that Saints are playing West Ham they can win because they've got good quality, but the only way they're going to beat this Saints team now is they've got to match them physically and then try and use their quality. Um, and that's going to be a lot of work because Saints are working tirelessly in games uh, under Hasenhutl at the moment. And so if you're a West Ham player, you really, really got to fancy it. So if, they, if they're if they even slightly uh, on the back foot or, or not fancying being part of that, then that gives Saints a massive opportunity, I think. And you look at the Premier League table, they've let in 27 goals in their, um, what's it, 18 games. So not many less than Saints. So it shows, again, vulnerably defensively. Yeah, absolutely. They are They are definitely vulnerable defensively, which I think is what you were trying yeah, to say. Yeah, it was. There was far, <laughs> <laughs> far too many wives there. <laughs> Jeeves, uh, can it's you the, get fetch some coffee? The, bra- the, the brand has gone to his head. It's the mold one. I've got to drive home as well. Um, right, <clears throat> come on then. And, uh, predictions. What do you uh, 2-1 to Saints. You can't have that because I've already got it. Right. Um... I know, I know, everyone's in shock listening two, to that statement. Two, well, yeah, two, two, a Christmas miracle, I think they call that. <laughs> I'll go 2-0 to Saints then. 2-0 so, to Saints, yeah. good. All right, we asked Steve um, for his prediction. He went for a... Uh, We're fest- missing Steve, aren't we? Yeah, we are actually, yeah. Steve, if you're listening, which I know you don't tend to listen to podcasts, then we are missing <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, he's gone for a festive gold bonanza, 2-0. Wow. Yeah, 2-0. Um, and you, yeah, you didn't miss it. I've gone for a 2-1 Saints win. I think it is the mole one. And uh, bearing in mind my record of predicting Saints to win, they always lose, so I apologise in advance that trying to show a bit of Christmas optimism well you're not going to be there so you don't yeah, care now. <laughs> you're, so, you're yeah. so grumpy about it the game will be postponed Thanks for listening to this episode of TSP. Hope you've uh, enjoyed it. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you and your family a fantastic Christmas if you're celebrating it. Adam, thanks for being a, a great host. Uh, I've left a trail of breadcrumbs to uh, find my way back to the car, so I should be all right. But uh, no, thanks for having us around. I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's uh, been good to do it face to face. It's been brilliant, hasn't it? It's been really nice. Yeah, and uh, I guess as we're as 
Christmas is coming. I should wish you and, and uh, everybody else uh, a very, very merry and safe Christmas as well. Yeah, you have a, a great Christmas, and we'll see you next time, Saints fans. And uh, as we tend to say, get in there, keep marching in. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.